0: You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by Allwork.space. Are you ready? Welcome to the Future of Work podcast. Today, our guest is Richard Smith, the founder and CEO of Office Freedom, who is a well-known entrepreneur and is sharing his time between his homes in London and Boca Raton, Florida. Over 35 years and counting in the real estate career, which started in 1986, it was during his seven years in the Central London office leasing specialist, uh, by chance, that Richard brokered a serviced office deal in Mayfair's Berkeley Square in 1992. Richard is a regular speaker at corporate real estate events such as Cornvet, Future Offices, and WorkTech, as well as on the Office Freedom podcast, Flex, with Richard Smith. Richard, welcome. We're very glad to have you today. And uh, you and I go back a long ways, uh, not to 1992, but I think it was 1993 that we first met when you first started your company.
1: Yes, thank you very much for having me, Frank. It's a pleasure to be on here and an honor, actually. I feel uh, very privileged to have this opportunity to uh, have a conversation with you uh, via podcast Across the Pond. Um, Yeah, it was early 90s um, when I set up the company in 93. I don't remember the first time we first met, but it was soon after. And I remember very much enjoying all of the uh, great events you put on.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I I think that one of the things we've both seen a lot of is the evolution of flexibility in the workplace. I guess when we started back then, we were referring to things as uh, executive suites. Uh, Then they evolved into business centers. And now we see um, (coughs) the serviced offices and co-working centers as labels. Sort of how how do you define this evolution? And and what have you seen in the way people are using offices? Or really, has there been any change uh, beyond the critical mass that has grown up around the industry?
1: Yeah, I think the way you just um, described the, the sector and the fact that you had to give it, several different descriptions um, and definitions has has actually been part of the problem for the, for our industry and i think what stunted the growth of our industry was the fact that it wasn't um there was no single term globally that the uh, that, that the whole world could actually um relate to as you say executive suite executive suites which was very, very common in the US for many, many years. It, it, it was never a, a term in the UK. Uh, business centres um, and then serviced offices in the UK, co-working. Uh, I, but I think the fact that now the industry is coining the phrase flexible workspace, flexible office space, it has really helped the industry evolve and, and move forward because uh, the co- also the co-working phrase, which is very big in the US and a little bit more fifty-fifty here, um, but in recent times, I've seen such dramatic changes, unrecognizable from the early days. The the investment that the industry has received over the last ten years has created uh, properties and buildings and office space that is much more fit for purpose than ever before. And now we are seeing major corporates and large corporations embrace flex, uh, as well as the SMEs and startups that have always been at the party. But now I think we are. Yeah,
0: you know, that's really true. I think as we look at defining our industry for the audience in in, uh, broad term, uh, we could say that um, our industry is comprised of all providers that combine people, place, and technology into a single bundled product that's delivered with a highly flexible service agreement, not a lease, but a service agreement for all three of those products bundled together. Um, and that we have various industries, sectors, or let's call them brands that each have a brand promise for a moment. Uh, the classic service office or business center brand would say people place technology and add professional uh, services uh, and image and co-working might add uh, those same people place and technology, but maybe a collaborative growth through a, a cooperative community um, yes. uh, an incubator would be one of those with mentoring uh, an accelerator would be an incubator with access to capital uh, so as we look at it it's kind of like different models of cars in the automotive industry you have luxury you know you have the automotive industry but then you've got luxury models and suvs and sports cars etc all of those things though together comprise, comprise the industry um, yes, and I'd, I'd be interested in your as we uh, the industry has evolved and as it has grown. Uh, one of the reasons we focus uh, and and think about is that we think the shift in the industry's growth came when all businesses, not just SMEs or the uh, the professions which were always big in the industry, but the large corporates and even government. Um, started to use our industry strategically as opposed to tactically. Instead of coming and going when they needed a short-term office, now they say, no, we need an office, but we want the flexibility. And primarily they did that because they wanted to get the debt the large corporations in particular off their balance sheet from a long-term lease that allows them more capital for growth, number one. Number two, they found that They couldn't hire staff. They couldn't hire talent unless they have a flexible workplace plan of some sort, which requires our industry. What's your thought on how we weave all that together?
1: Well, I think when you started off that question, you mentioned brand. Um, Branding was a huge problem and one of the areas that set us back as a sector because Mm -hmm. there was names of operators all over the suites the spaces and it was something that was off-putting because it meant that companies didn't feel independent they felt that they were like hiring something temporary in someone else's space or someone else's building and right. th- that was one of the um areas that the sector held the sector held its hands up and said look we now we realize that we're not the perfect solution yet and we're going to work on some of those issues and one of them was that and now in most properties in most flexible serviced offices you walk into you won't see branding and um, it's something that does help companies feel that they are in independent office space um, so and you also mentioned the, co- the co-working phrase and the, fro- the co-working comment which the original definition of co-working is several people in a room that don't actually know each other um, and that was the original definition but now it's evolved into a general term that people now would refer to as, yes, I, I took a co-working space for, for 150 desks. It's actually their own space, their own floor, or even their own building. Um, so I think with the advent of less branding, bigger spaces that can accommodate bigger requirements and um, an increase in the level of IT, uh, security, now I think that this sector that we're in is a completely a complete viable alternative to traditional leasing. And personally, no matter what size is required, I don't really see why a traditional lease with all of the inflexibility that comes with it would be a solution anymore. Um, Because if somebody did want to, if a company did want to acquire 500, 1,000 people, those deals, you can still do those in our industry now. You know, it's
0: funny. I, I I would kind of flip what you just said a little on its head. Uh, which is normal for me and you, by the way. Yeah. The audience. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we argue points back and forth <laughs> regularly. Um, so, yeah. uh, but I, I would say, uh, relative to the branding comment, that the two most well known companies in our industry, uh, the 2,000 pound gorillas, if you were, have really overbranded and yet they're still massive in size, and that would be Regis uh, and its uh, affiliated companies through IWG, Spaces, et cetera, um, which, man, you can't get away from Regis Blue anywhere. It's way serious about its brand. And then we look at WeWork, uh, which was all about, you know, what when they even defined their company, they said, well, we are a lifestyle brand. Uh, uh, Their their whole uh, structure was around their branding, uh, environment. And yet mm. the rest of the industry has gone, as you said, to said, no, we, we're going to provide services and make the, the client feel as if this is their space, not our space. So it's an interesting you know, the, the two largest mm. companies or the well, most well-known um, yeah. um, fall into that heavily branded category uh, which has helped their growth. Uh, and yeah. the others are more client-sensitive uh, than brand. The, the, it's, it's true.
1: Uh, I, I mean, I've I as you know, we both do. We attend many conferences, corporate real estate events, and when I'm speaking speaking to most end users, most large corporations, the two companies that most of them have ever heard of are Regis, IWG, yeah. and and WeWork. Um, yeah. But the reality is is that there's um probably a thousand providers of flex space globally in probably twenty twenty five thousand locations, and That is the beauty of the sector, the diversity of the sector, the diversity of the offering. And really, um, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is letting the end user, the clients know what's out there in any given marketplace. Because whilst WeWork and IWG are on our radar, obviously, there are also many providers that also need to be, um, you know, educated to, to the end users. And, yeah. Although I do think Regis, to be fair to them, have actually dropped back on the branding quite a lot um, compared to maybe 10, 15 years ago, 5, 10, 15 years ago. I think
0: think that's right. I would probably uh, say that one of the reasons that they've done that is they switched from Regis only to International Workplace Group, IWG, uh, and that is now a multi-brand company um, uh, with the second primary brand being Spaces uh so that makes a lot of
1: sense strategically uh, i don't overall. think they did that frank i don't think they did that because of that i think they did that because they listened um and they realized that people didn't want to see branding everywhere although you are right WeWork have bucked that trend and they are quite you know they're they're quite it's, it's obviously a WeWork building when you walk into the building um, oh yeah once you're actually in the WeWork building it's not as in your face in terms of the branding, but outside, 100%. Um, But look, it's horses for courses. People like a whole different variety of things and choices in life, and our industry is no different.
0: No, I I agree. I I like what what you were saying about the definition of of co-working uh, and the evolution uh, overall of space. Um, uh, And we we would say um, individuals co-work. Companies need privacy. Um, uh, So, if you and I were to go into a co-working center and you're a broker and I'm a developer, we might co-work together and create a project. Um, But as soon as we create that project and have an operating company and hire employees, et cetera, we start to need privacy. And I think the industry, the classic open space co-working model, that, that part of the industry has evolved as their clients companies and needs have evolved to where you see new co-working spaces being built 50 50 or 60 40 with private space as opposed to open public space they still have the open public space and that's needed of course a big part yeah. of the, the, the more and more private space so that companies can grow within the projects, as opposed yeah. to incubating the projects and then move out to another type of space
1: yes i think what you're raising here is another very interesting topic about privacy i think in the us in north america much more than the, in the uk there's a big problem with the word shared shared space i hear it a lot and yeah. there is a misconception that any that clients think that they are just sharing space they're not that the the space that in the, the world that we're in it's private most of it that i, I don't really do like single single co-working or co-working deals whereby clients are like sharing space with strangers. I, d- I know that market exists but it's not something that we personally do much of but the, this phrase shared space is a massive problem for our industry Frank and we need to do what we can to eliminate that myth because our business is all about placing companies in, sh- in private self-contained space the only space that's shared in the world in, where we do business is the communal areas the communal right. areas are um Shared spaces, obviously, and if a company wants to build their own communal areas dedicated, they can they 'll pay for it, but they can, but the beauty of our industry, and I think what 's taken us to the next level is the fact that we have such incredible communal areas in the buildings uh, in in the flexible workspace industry, literally thousands of square feet in most of the properties that the clients are not directly paying for, but they can enjoy those amazing facilities and amenities and this is so important especially as we come out of covid and the pandemic that people will be able to enjoy their office space but also enjoy the fact that they can step out of their office space into communal breakout areas gyms um you know they can drive, they can ride in and park their bike and showers and uh, event spaces all of this high this this like communal space in these buildings is amazing but not to be confused with the office space which is private
0: yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And it, it, it's much like if you were building a quality apartment or condominium complex, you would have a lot of amenities, such as a gym, public areas, pools, et cetera, and services um, that you wouldn't necessarily find uh, accessible if you just had a private home uh, yes. or renting a private home. And so I think the the amenity factor Uh, business amenities in particularly that help the customer uh, uh, succeed in their business. You remember the old adage that uh, uh, has been around for decades and decades, says, well, we'll run your office while you run your business. Yes. And most companies, particularly branch offices of large companies, aren't prepared to run an office. They have a task to do. They have work to do. Yes. Um, but they shouldn't be running an office and they shouldn't have resources and, and capital tied up in things they only use part-time. You know, if uh, most companies uh, use uh, their meeting room or their conference room one or two days a week for about four hours at a time. And yet they pay for it 24 seven. And exactly. in our model and the flexible workspace model, that, that is only pay as you need. And, and that's a uh, 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 much one of the primary benefits of the the model overall. How do you think how do you think um, our model has stood up during this pandemic period? Uh, How do you see us as a solution uh, uh, and now that we see so many large companies reducing the amount of office space they have when they renew, do you think our industry will actually become the uh, client or partner of choice to the large property companies uh, for what we do uh, overall.
1: <clears throat> well, I, I think it's very difficult not to, f- not to be biased because of the sector that we're in or that I'm in. Um, but I've spent many years in the conventional leasing sector. I still do leasing transactions. I mean, we represent many serviced office co-working companies that ask us to help them expand their footprint. Sure. And find them, you know. So I, I'm still in that world, and, I, and I'm, I'm well aware of um, that sector and the benefits. And but I have to say, to me, it's it's entirely obvious that as we come out of this pandemic, or, or, or even if we live with COVID ongoing, but it's under control and it becomes part of life. But as we come out of this, the seriousness of the of the pandemic into something that is much more um, we can cope with the day to day. The flex industry has to be the perfect blanket to catch the uh, the business world as it returns to the office. It has to be. It's the, the the amount of agile, flexible, hybrid solutions that you can enjoy in our sector enables companies to come back to the office in a way that it, it suits them. Whether it's coming back hundred percent, whether it's coming back. 5050 whether it's working locally in suburban offices uh, close to home or whether it's working in a central business district um, whether it's a day office meeting room uh, you know like two or three days a week office or I mean coming back as 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 I'm coming back in my business c- coming back almost back to normal because that's how my team want to to, to work and they want to come back and they want to enjoy the benefits of being together but I think, the flexible sector that we're in offers all types and all varieties of officing and a mixture of uh, working remotely or working from the office or in between. So I do think that going forward, the, uh, our sector is the perfect solution for companies uh, to think about for their return to work.
0: Well, it, well most of the companies that we uh, work with, large companies, uh, tell us, I mean, this, everybody from Google on down uh, tell us that uh, they're going to re- be renewing their conventional office space. Um, and they're going to continue to grow and take new conventional office space, but their renewals are only going to be about 75% of their prior uh, space commitments. So if they had 100,000 feet, they're going to renew 75. And um, that means that the property companies are going to suffer that vacancy, so to speak. Uh, And uh, as we look at new hybrid office, which we should probably define a little bit, models um, uh, that companies are using, uh, officing models that companies are using, I see the flexible sector as being the primary repurposing agent, if you will, for conventional space into this new model. And I see a lot of property companies that are looking uh to the model uh not just the industry but the model as um, a new way for them to be working and generating revenue as well uh and a new way for them to and a way for them to partner with the industry as opposed to have conventional leases from the industry
1: um yes. <clears throat> Well, there's two, two questions there. Number one, I, I don't understand why these large companies are looking to renew conventional traditional leases when they can take large chunks of space in flexible environments. Maybe it's a question for another day, or maybe we, one day we, have, uh, we actually have that conversation with uh, another guest together and we can brainstorm the pros and cons from their perspective. But I'm seeing larger and larger transactions where companies are opting out of traditional leasing into into flex so I think there needs to be some more education as to the benefits there and maybe what I discussed before about some of the myths that exist in our industry about sharing and that type of thing maybe they are a factor Um, but in terms of the traditional landlords um, uh, embracing this concept of flex it's it's been a long time coming. I mean, you and me have been flying the flag as ambassadors of Flex for decades. And I, I um, you know, I affectionately referred to you. Re- well, I, I have been referred to recently as the the, the the grandfather of Flex. I mean, if I'm the grandfather, I, I affectionately refer to you as the great grandfather. I hope you don't mind that.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just go with Guru or something, you know. I, okay. I
1: mean, give me okay. the long beard and the white robe. Great g g great grandfather guru we'll stick with that for for this for this session but look we've seen it for we've seen it for so long, and how many years have we seen our sector rebuffed by conventional real estate brokers and landlords and it was quite soul destroying for for a long long time, but guess what the penny finally dropped, and not only of conventional real estate brokers all of a sudden um embrace flex mainly because The reality is that their clients no longer want to jump into traditional leases. They want to be considering flex options. So they have to be presenting flex alternative to them as well as leasing alternatives when they have a requirement, but also flex landlords. I mean, um, uh, Boston Properties uh, in the Causeway in Boston and uh, Tishman Spire in New York and Chicago, you know, examples of major real estate companies uh, who have created flex brands um and in the UK you have really an incredibly like uh, institutional names like british land with story um sure. legal and general uh capsule and you have uh, the crown estate um with the st- studio and um there's so many brands that have absolutely embraced the fact that they should be incorporated in flex within their portfolio and it's just a perfect example of how far our industry has come, and um, I think the journey is, is, is definitely taking a, a couple of big steps, but I still think we have a long way to go until we reach the optimum of um, where this industry is going to go. Well, you know,
0: I would agree with you, but a lot of our audience are um, not just operators within the industry and service companies or brokers and agents, but a lot of our audience are actually um, the um, decision makers within large companies and, and governments that are looking at our industry and seeking solutions um, uh, as, as part of their operating uh, format. Um, you, you ask the question, uh, you know, why would anybody even renew uh, at that 75% rate? Um, uh, I think most companies are looking for the mix of uh, stability Knowing what they have, they like to know what they have as opposed to being quite as flexible. So I think that's an evolutionary issue that 25% today, 50% tomorrow, uh, uh, you know, I think there's an evolutionary issue there. And then what we're also seeing is a lot of large companies, um, they look at our model and they say, I love that model. Um, Let's build our own for ourselves. Uh, and so much of the space goes out, and you look at Deloitte back into the uh, mid '90s. The you know the inventors of the term hot desk. Um, uh, so uh, I think a lot of companies are repurposing their own space into our business model as our industry business model. That comes up uh, overall. Um, uh, certainly. Um, what do you think? Uh, would be, or can you define uh, um, what you think the perfect flexible workspace would look like?
1: The perfect flexible workspace would look like exactly how the client would want their perfect flexible workspace to look like. And you ask 10 clients what their flexible workspace wants to look like, they'll give you 10 different answers. Well, guess what? Welcome to the flexible industry. Welcome to flexible industry. The operators will create what you want. This industry is not about walking into an office building and, and seeing the inventory and thinking, mm, I need to make a choice about what I see. The beauty of our sector is that most of the providers will say, right, if what you see doesn't fit, we will move walls, we will customize, we will bespoke for exactly what you need. And it will just be office space, private, flexible office space with the communal areas, which means that you, you can attract staff, you can retain staff, and you're going to need to be doing that um, when, when everybody comes back from the pandemic, especially people that have had a tough time. You know, there's many people with a lot of anxiety and they've had depression. People won't even realize how, how much they've been hit by this for a while. I mean, it's quite a sad statistic to say this, but in 2007, 2008, when they had the, the crash, the big financial crash, um, the, the suicide rate only really massively increased after three or four years. It took a long time to manifest itself. And we can help that by actually talking to people about being low. You don't need to bottle it up. If you have a problem, I did a recent podcast talking about this. It's slightly off topic, but I'm just saying that if anyone feels low and anyone feels like they're having a tough time, they can talk to people. They can talk to you. They can talk to me. I'll take the call of anybody that wants to talk about these types of issues because we don't want that to happen again. We don't want three or four years from now this type of sad uh, statistics that I've just talked about to happen again. And one of the reasons we can help by that is by letting them come back to work in a place, in an environment that is a happy environment with a great foundation and platform and a nice habitat. And that's what our industry is about. Mental health, staff wellness and welfare. Very, very critical. Uh, even before COVID, but it's going to be massively important going forward. I I, I,
0: I agree with that. It, uh, you're very familiar with our publication, all work space, um, yeah. and uh, probably in the. If I were to look back over the balance of last year or the last twelve or seventeen, eighteen months, whenever we've been dealing with COVID and thinking about it. Um, uh, the content or the articles that dealt with wellness, wellness in the workplace, wellness, uh, life, work-life balance, wellness issues, uh, support in the workplace, etc., have been um, uh, probably the highest trending articles as a group. So people's yeah. interest in wellness in the workplace has really—I won't say even peaked yet—but it has really become an awareness factor that yeah. we 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 blend all these things together so we say people place and technology if you were to talk to the pure co-working crowd that started mm. the, you know really focused on them, the interest that they would say well all those things are important but they should be superseded by community absolutely um, the community. And the community includes all of the support structure that you're talking about through a natural humanistic approach it's so um, so I, I think that is a great part of what we're going to see in the future in all officing environment, whether it's corporate or whether it's a flexible workspace that's shared yeah. on an amenity basis. The community is an amenity that comes with our type of space.
1: And it was a big thing before COVID, but post-COVID is going to be even yeah. bigger to have an environment where people can feel relaxed and not anxious and, and have some downtime, let their hair down and just enjoy. Their working life. Because as you know, Frank, uh, you know probably better than most that up until 10, 15 years ago, going to work wasn't supposed to be enjoyable. You go to work, you tough it out, and then you get home and enjoy yourself. Well, actually, why can't you just enjoy yourself at work and, and be happy and enjoy your environment? And that's, that's why our sector has um, become such a, a main part of society. But to try to go back to your question to give you the answer, in terms of the best spaces, I think we can create whatever a client wants. But I think the choice in the inventory nowadays is quite incredible. And I do feel quite strongly that even if um, a client, I used to mention like Google before, would want, say, I don't know, 25,000, 50,000 square feet, if the existing inventory wasn't there today, you and me both know that we could, we could approach any one of many operators and say, right, Google right. want 50,000 square feet, but they don't want to have the hassle of taking the lease and the fit out and the build out and, and the IT and the telecoms. You take the lease, Mr. Operator, and do an outsource back-to-back transaction to Google or the end-user corporate, which they can do. So therefore, they outsource the fit-out, the the amortized over the period of time, and a solution is there for any size requirement. That's why I challenge any end-user to say, I'm going to jump back into a lease, because this industry is not just about the small requirements.
0: I I can concur on that. We used to refer to that a decade or two ago as managed workspace. Um, um, but the reality is it's just part of the flexible work model now. It, it's so built into that model. And we can thank people like IWG that have uh, lots of horsepower, if you will, lots of bandwidth, uh, for pioneering some of that of that uh, marketplace transition uh, uh, on a large scale. Uh, and now it's uh, commonplace for all operators to have that capability. So that, that's pretty good. I think that's well-known,
1: Frank. That's the point. I don't think that is that well-known in in the business community, and that's something that hopefully via this podcast or or via future communications we can educate the business public more about, about the capabilities that this sector um, can provide.
0: Well, I'll I'll challenge you then to have Office Freedom put together a really nice uh, white paper on that topic, and we'll get it published and distributed. How's that?
1: It would be a pleasure.
0: Well, richard, I want to thank you very much for your time today. It's, it's always great chatting and, and, uh, it's, it's a pleasure you know, to be I'm, here. Frank. I'm looking forward to my next, uh, next trip over to your, your part of the world. Uh, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, um, if people want to reach you, how can they reach you or how can they reach you at, at Office
1: Freedom? Yeah. My email is Richard at office dot com, And the website is www.officefreedom.com. And, um, yeah, I'm, uh, be pleased to speak to any of your uh, listeners and, uh, and guests. And thank you for letting me be a guest. I really did enjoy it. And it's great to see you, Frank. And as you say, it would be great to actually be face-to-face once again in the near future. I'll look forward to it. Take care, Thanks Richard. Well, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys.
0: If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?